Welcome, thanks for joining us. I'd like to speak with you today on the subject of fearing change. Fearing change. Let's take a look at a passage of Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 3. I'll be reading through the entire chapter. It's not all that long, but we're going to be referring to several parts of it. Peter writes this, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and all the works that are, that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And to count that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, hath written unto you as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also with, uh, with the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Pastor Burgraff spoke recently about living out our Christian life, and that's a theme that comes up a lot, of course, as we want to be very practical with our Christianity. There are changes, of course, involved in doing that many times. We may need to change some of our behavior. We may need to change some of the way we see things, some of our thought patterns. And these are certainly positive changes that the Holy Spirit wants to make in us. We also understand that as God's ambassadors in this present world, we are to be, in a sense, agents of change, at least in our influence. Now, if we follow the example of God throughout the Bible, 
We know that he is not one who forces people to change as a rule, but he can bring about circumstances, of course, much more than we can, that can lead someone to change, that can encourage someone to make changes that are important and are necessary. In our case, primarily, as Matthew uh, 5 tells us, we're salt and light. And we are to be an influence and to help people uh, find the right change in their lives, uh, primarily by leading them to an understanding of what God's Word says. We don't force anyone to change, obviously. But we ourselves can change in the power of God. We can change our own attitudes, our behaviors, and uh, we can do so in order to be a proper example of the godliness that we should be portraying to others. We've been called to that. In all of our relationships, it's critical that we learn this principle that we cannot change others, only our own selves. Recently, I've been doing some recordings uh, for our addictions program, and uh, the name of the program is ATC. It stands for Addicted to Christ. And even implicit in that name is the idea of change addicted to something else, we want to help people kick that. (laughs) And the best way to do that is to replace it with a positive addiction, and there's certainly no more positive addiction than addiction to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so uh, in those lessons, we, we have to try to deal with the causes, of course, the, the sources of where these addictions may have come from, what might have influenced someone into an, an addictive lifestyle. But at the same time, we cannot ignore what the Bible teaches us very clearly, that each one of us is responsible for our own reactions to whatever influences do come. And I think that's important for all of us to understand. We are, we are responsible. Um, I also heard a sermon recently entitled Sufferers and Sinners that I found very profound, very interesting. Uh, this, uh, this, the premise of this message was that many times we tend to categorize everything, every conflict, every situation that we come into that has any sort of conflict to it. We try, try to place people in categories. And typically, I'm the sufferer. I'm the one who's been sinned against. So therefore, if it's you and me, I'm the sufferer, you're the sinner. And the premise that the, this, this pastor was teaching was, uh, in reality, and this is absolutely true and absolutely biblical, we're both at the same time in probably any situation that we come into. We're both the sinner and the sufferer at the same time. We have been set upon lately by a lot of circumstances that have changed a lot of things in our lives. There's no question about that. And in some of these cases, we might look at someone, we might look at some government entity, somebody who has some sort of uh, rule or at least influence over us and think they're just imposing on me. Sometimes may be the case. But we do need to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of just drawing a fine line, drawing a very clear line and saying, they're the sinner, I'm the sufferer. That's a tendency that we have. I understand it. <laughs> I, I don't really like wearing a mask. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. And as we're making this recording right now, a new uh, rule has come out from the state government about 
uh, more mask wearing, if I understand it correctly. And uh, I don't really uh, appreciate that. I don't really understand it completely. I don't necessarily agree with it completely. But I do have to try to keep it in perspective. I, I think we all need to grab hold of a little biblical perspective about things and say, is it worth, for example, my sinning by disobeying the civil government over me? There may be a time for that. Does this one rise to that occasion? Is this a change that I should fear or even fight? We fear change. Change is hard for us. Change is very difficult. We can change, but do we want to? When, when, I, when I think of change, a lot of times I think of children. Um, we watch our own children or grandchildren uh, change. It seems almost daily there are big changes uh, when they're very young, especially. We understand how important routine is for them. We get that. But those comforting and protecting schedules become more flexible as they grow. They have to for many reasons, some internal, some external. They go from this um, rigid uh, routine in a process of maturity that leads them to gradual growth. It's called change. (laughs) Sometimes it's not a radical, immediate, huge change. But change is necessary for growth. The passage of Scripture that we uh, read in 2 Peter chapter 3 ends in verse 18 saying, but grow in grace. Grow in grace. I fear many times that we as adult believers in Jesus Christ are guilty of demanding routine and often rejecting what God would have done to us, the growth that God would have us have us experience by so doing. Uh, if we look at the passage, if we look at just that verse, verse 18, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I ask this question, I pose this to you, when does that growth stop? When are we to stop growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? I have a friend who developed a discipleship program some years ago, and one of the illustrations that he used in there has stuck with me very strongly. I think it's a very appropriate illustration. He used the illustration of a tea bag. And his illustration was you take your, your cup, you put the tea bag in it, and in order to release the flavors and all that, of course, you put in hot water. And uh, we're in a lot of hot water right now. <laughs> we're in hot water of Uh, COVID-19 virus. We're in the the hot water of uh, disturbances out on our streets around the country. There's there's just many, many things going on around us that we could call uh, hot water. And the interesting example, the interesting explanation that he used was that the tea bag already contained all the elements that were going to be released into the water. Adding the hot water did not create the tea. It just released the flavor of the tea into the water so that it could be understood, if you will. It could be tasted. And that seems to be uh, where we fail, I'm afraid, so many times. Hot water comes along. Some sort of trial comes into our lives. 
And instead of looking down into our teacup and trying to determine what's really going on, what really is within me, what is coming out because of the trial, because of the situation I'm going through, instead of that, we have a tendency to just cast it off and just run from it. I say fear it. It's the, the possibility there for growth exists. The possibility for positive change exists. But if we're afraid of it, we run from it. It doesn't work so good. If we fear change, then we stop. Or we can analyze our own selves in the face of the external circumstances that are going on around us and see if there's change that needs to happen in our own lives that we can now see better because of what's going on around us. Are we afraid of things? Of course, there are things to be afraid of. Even some changes are to be feared, without a doubt. We should fear a number of things. God's given us the sense, most of us, God has given the good sense to uh, not rush headlong into uh, a dangerous situation for no good purpose. I'm sure you can think of examples, uh, particularly from wartime, where someone uh, gave their life to save others, uh, other situations where people uh, rush headlong into a situation. Firemen and other people of that, uh, uh, like that, policemen many times, will rush into a dangerous situation because someone else needs to be protected. That is, of course, to be applauded. No one's going to tell them that they're doing something stupid. But if you just run into a fire just to see what it feels like. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to most of us. We have people that we call daredevils, and, and uh, sometimes they... And, and we have to be honest, I have to be honest, that sometimes I have a, a desire for an adrenaline rush as well, and I might do something that is a little bit dangerous. Uh, as I get older, I do less of that, but there are times still when you want to do that. But I've known people I, uh, who, who just seem to, to live on that. Seems to be their bread and butter. I, I have a a good friend, he's a pastor out in Illinois, and uh, he seriously, just any sort of challenge, he wants in on it. And many times, it's fine. You know, you watch him and you say, well, that's, that's you know, just, he wants to do that. That's fine. Let him have his fun. That's what makes him happy. There was a time, though, he came to visit us while we were missionaries in Portugal, and we we're out driving around one day and got into a, a small village that had a, a castle up on top of the hill and a monastery both uh, close to each other. As we drove past the castle walls and came up in front of the monastery, we saw that the monastery was in very bad repair and uh, it had signs out. Uh, the signs were not in English, so he had a little bit of an excuse, I suppose, until I translated for him. And the sign said, this is a dangerous building, do not enter. <laughs> it's under construction where they were trying to restore the place. But he, the sign said, do not enter on fear of death, this is dangerous. And we're standing there looking at the building. I was admiring the, the architecture and the situation. And before I knew what was going on, this man had run past me and into the building. And I called to him and I said, wait, 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 wait. The sign says, and I told him what it said. And it did not deter him. Now that seems to slip over into a different category. That's not uh, uh, listening to that voice in the back of your head that says don't do things that are dangerous. There's a time and a place when you do that. 
Verse 17 of our passage in 2 Peter 3 says this, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, all all the things that he had uh, uh, lined out before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. There are things to be uh, wary of. There are things to be feared. The word beware there is the idea of put a guard around this, put a, as if it's a military guard. Uh, during my time in the military, I had to pull guard duty sometimes. And that meant I had to have a section of the perimeter around where the rest of the men were sleeping during the night and keep watch in case something would come that would be dangerous for them and sound the alarm. And that's, that's exactly the idea that we have here is that there's a danger here and you need to be aware of it. You need to set a guard up against it. Against what? Against someone who will take you away from your steadfastness. Now be careful. We don't want to equate steadfastness necessarily with status quo in every case. The steadfastness we're talking about here is following the principles that have been laid out in God's Word for our lives. It's not just this is the way I've always done it. It's not just this is the way I want it. That uh, kind of thought was discussed earlier on in the passage. He said in the, earlier, in, the, in the latter days, people would come who would be scoffers. They would be, the second thing they would be would be following after their own lust. In other words, they would be super selfish. They would be only concerned about what they wanted. How many times have you been faced with a trial of hot water and had to make choices about whether you would change based on the things it revealed Or just, to use the word that we have here, stand fast. Standing fast can be a great thing. When we're talking about the principles of the Word of God, we should not ever move. We should set a guard around those things. We should be steadfast. But should we be steadfast when trials, in conjunction with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, along with the teaching of the Word of God, we look down into that cup of tea and we see the things that should change based on what God has revealed and we stand fast instead. That's not what this passage is teaching us. Some fears are understandable and unavoidable. I think even right here, uh, if you've watched some of the earlier videos that have gone out, there have been some attempts to scare people as they finished up their their time preaching here in the pulpit. And uh, perfectly reasonable that if someone sneaks up behind you and screams or shoots off an air horn or something like that, that you're probably going to have a fright. Uh, That kind of fear is totally understandable. Uh, Sometimes there are things, again, in our, in our circumstances, the things that are going on around us, that it's just inevitable that some of these things are going to trouble us and they're going to cause us some measure of fear. That's fine. But we need to be very careful about our reaction to fear. We need to guard ourselves from lashing out against those things. Uh, I, I have to, I'll confess some things, not a lot, but I will confess some things that in my earlier life, I actually had a hotter temper than I do now. I think I have it a little more in control now. But even so, I will say this, that I very seldom in the times as a younger man, when I did get into fights, uh, I seldom got into the fights 
uh, because I was angry with someone. I would normally say that I got into the fight because I was righteously indignant, that I was the sufferer and not the sinner. That may not have always been exactly the case, but that's the way I would tend to, to form it. But the, the people who, and I hate to even say it this way, but I, it's just the facts. The people that I've hurt the most physically in my life, again, it's been a long time, all right? <laughs> but those things have come from times when I was frightened. Someone did something that either threatened me enough and caused me to be fearful, or at least there was a perception on my part, or they surprised me. And, and, and there were occasions where I hurt people. I'm kind of a big guy, and so it's not that hard to hurt people sometimes, unfortunately. But if someone came up and surprised me, my tendency many times would be to lash out, and they might end up hurt for that. We need to be very careful about that. Uh, in our day-to-day life, because these things come, these things, who, who was expecting the COVID virus to come? Who was looking for your life to be changed so radically during this time? Not I. Who was expecting the type of demonstrations and chaos and things that have gone on in the streets as a, a reaction to uh, one action and, and, well, not just one action, but the re- reaction to what's going on? between police and civilians and different things of that nature. Who, who expected this kind of a, a reaction? Maybe someone. I wasn't sitting at home saying, you know, probably very soon we're going to have riots in the street because of this or that. I, that was not something that I was waiting for and expecting to happen. But it did happen. And what's my response to it? What is my response supposed to be to it? I can lash out. That's, that's an easy response but that's not a godly response. There may be a time where I need to take a stand against something. Absolutely. We all understand that. There may be a time where I need to voice my opinions even strongly in the proper context, in the proper place and time. Possibly. But is it to be just a general knee-jerk reaction that this is not what I want and therefore I will fight against it? Fear will do that to us if we let it shouldn't happen. We shouldn't react that way, but that's the way we are. I repeat, I think that we as adult believers in Jesus Christ are guilty many times of demanding routine and often rejecting growth that would be helpful thereby. What kind of example does that set for unbelievers? What kind of example does that set for our own children and those around us over whom we have influence. Let's keep in mind another change that's coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about this change. And he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Someone had said that's the motto for the nursery workers. Um, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump... For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The changes we're talking about mostly are changes that are going on around us, and changes that we might need to make in our own lives as we analyze ourselves more than the circumstances around us. Analyze our own reactions to what's going on around us. I don't don't always enjoy the changes that come. But the change that is coming gives me a heavenly perspective to apply to whatever comes my way. The change that the Lord is going to make 
in and for me, taking me out of these trials one day. Our passage in Second Peter told us that one day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The things that we're going through, the things that we're experiencing right now uh, are, are obviously of a temporary nature and need to be dealt with that way. And we need to keep a heavenly perspective on these things. Hebrews chapter 10, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, really sums this up for us, I think. It says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine ha- works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old, as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. The perspective is that there is one who does not change. There is one who sees every circumstance that we are going through now and every circumstance that's ever happened in this world as something temporary, as a piece of clothing that has its purpose for a period of time. And when this particular trial that we're going through or that particular trial that we may go through is over, This language here is beautiful. It's as if he just folds the clothes up and then tosses them away. That's done. That served its purpose. That period of time has shown my people what they need to see. And here I am still the same. I'm still here to give them what they need. I'm still here to help them grow in the ways that they should grow. We do live in trying times. I don't want to try to minimize that at all. We do live in a difficult moment. The Bible does not give us a lot of uh, hope that this is going to turn around until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. In the latter days, all these things are going to happen. And eventually God's going to take this situation, this thing we call time, and he's going to fold it up into a pile and cast it away. And say, well, all right, we did that. That served the purpose that I created it for. Let's move on to the next phase. I'm so looking forward to that next phase. As I was preparing this message, I did something. Something came to my mind. And I suppose, really, it probably should have come to my mind before every message that I prepared or preached during my whole time in ministry. The thought came to my mind if this were the last message I ever preached, what would I say? What would I say if this was the last time that I had an opportunity to open the Word of God and try to help someone with it? And I thought down through everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in our country, everything that's going on in our state, everything that's going on in our county, everything that's going on in our church, everything that's going on in my family. And I came came up with the same answer for every one of those scenarios. The thing that I would try to convey if it were the last time I had a chance to preach the Word of God is something that appears over and over and over in the Word of God. 
in direct teaching, in examples, in attitudes of God towards us and godly people towards others. And that thought can be summed up in two simple words. Trust God. Whatever your need is today, that's the message that I believe I should convey to you. If you are uncertain about where your soul will spend eternity, trust God. Nothing else, no one else. Trust God. He prepared a way for you. He's made everything available for you to have forgiveness of sin, for you to have new and eternal life, for you to live with him forever. He has done all of that. The only thing that will ever keep a person from being saved, having their sins forgiven, and having new life is their own self. You can stand in the way, but that's the only thing. No one else can keep you from being saved. No one else can save you. Only God. In our passage in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8 talks about this. He says, be not ignorant of this, that with the Lord time doesn't matter. And he gets to verse 9 and he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The concept of the time comes in here. Some people say, God's just not acting. God's not doing things when I think he should. The word there, uh, God is not slack concerning his promise. The idea of slow, uh, slack meaning slow or not on time. We want to blame God and say, God, you're not doing it when it needs to be done. I feel like this needs to be done now. You need to do this now. There are many things that I wish God would do right now, particularly that final change. That would be wonderful. But God's not slow or behind or late in anything that he has promised. His timetable is on schedule. And he will do what is right when it is right to do so. And if you don't know that your eternal destiny is settled in heaven with him, trust God. He can and he will. He tells us here that he is not willing, in the same verse, that any should perish. So if you perish, if you leave this world without eternal life, it's because you've chosen to do so. Please don't do that. God doesn't want it. He said so. He is not willing that that should happen. The rest of us who have already trusted God for that primary need that we have of getting our sins forgiven and having new life in Christ, the answer is still the same for every situation we come across. When we're afraid, when things are happening that we don't like, when we're upset, about circumstances, we still have to come back to this message. Trust God. Whatever your need is today, that's my message to you. That's God's message to you. That's the word of God. He declares that we should trust him. That's all there is to it. But so many times for us human beings, it's not very easy. But that's the answer, my friends. That is the answer for all of eternity. Trust God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that we could have to open your word and discuss some things here that I hope are pertinent to what we're going through and what 
is going on inside of each one of us. I pray, Father, that we might understand more and more, even with the help of the trials that come into our lives, what it means to trust you. We believe. Help our unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.